I can't see your screen, so I didn't know. Uh, it looks pretty smooth. Yeah. Um, welcome to the podcast. That's Hamish Still. Uh, that's Tiffany Baxter, and uh, today's going to be a slightly unusual one. Yeah, we had a we didn't have an episode for one week again. <laughs> yes, <'cause> um, <laughs> we timed uh, it badly. <laughs> we did time it badly. Yes, we uh, we we record the episodes together in person. Um, which means Tiff comes up to London, which costs money and costs time. <laughs> so, uh, but we, we we booked a little thing to do together. Yes, the official name of it. Because I'm on the, uh, not reading list, what's it called? Email. Newsletter. Le- letter list thing. E- yeah. Email, what's it and Bob. Um, for the Treadwells bookshop, which is for those who don't, no, is an occult bookstore in London, and it's on Store Street if you ever fancy going. Um, and they run events as well as sell books. And um, this was the British Museum in the Awakening of English Magic walking tour, hosted by Caroline Wise. And I saw it in the uh, newsletter, and I was like, "Hamish, let's do this." <laughs> yes. And they're like, "Yes." <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and um, I think we said very early on that. It maybe even not on the show, but we said to each other that we wanted to do ghost tours yeah. and go to haunted places and do all kinds of things like that. Yeah. So this is our first attempt at that. Yeah, it's like kind of outside, I guess, the purview of ghosts that we've covered yeah. so far, but it's still in the realm of supernatural. So. And the tour guide was often jumping between the different worlds yeah. of um, UFOs one minute and astrology <laughs> the next and Although, like, tarot cards and all sorts of things. I enjoyed that the UFOs... The men revealed to be a cover up. Yes. The American government for two pilot pilots on acid who were driving <laughs> around in an airplane or something. And the, yeah. the US government said it was UFOs to not get out that their pilots were actually. They high. were they were flying about with a nuclear bomb. Or something. Or something. A nuclear plane or something. Yeah, which it's quite frightening. Yeah. Um, so they think people would rather just. Have you have uh, potentially aliens roaming yes, around? Yes, it does cover up some negligence. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I we we went to the British Museum, which is a museum in Britain. <laughs> um, but not really of not about no, Britain. I think a lot of people now know it as the Museum of Stuff Britain Stuff. <laughs> yes, it's that. From other places. Um. Uh, on the tour, we got a bit of a history about the building and that it used to be the British Library. Yeah, like the big uh, central bit that people who've been will know. Like, you go in through, if you go in through the main entrance, and then there's the big, uh, the main area where it's all like the glass ceiling, so the light comes in. But then in the middle of that, there's like a, I guess what you'd call like a rotunda mm. sort of thing, which like on the ground level is out, sort of outside that, the 
gift shop goes like around but there's actually steps leading up and then you can see through windows that there's actually stuff inside and that's where the library used to be yeah um but it's not a reading room anymore um obviously because we've got the british library in its own place so i don't think they do it they i guess maybe it's just storage now or something yeah so our guide said that they're often thinking of doing something with it but um we're not sure what and also they've been saying that for quite a long long time. time um I guess we'll start. I I I'll start at the beginning, yeah. and um, I'm when doing this show, I'm often trying to work out my feelings about everything. Yeah. Um, I think I said in the at the start that I wasn't quite a believer, but I've always said that that that's it. I actually think I'm on the same page as a lot of people who say they do believe. Yeah. Um, I guess I just I'm I'm not. I'm someone who doesn't think we have the answers. Yeah. But um, the theories and everything really interest me. Um, and beliefs and all that stuff really interests me. Um, but when we were gathering outside waiting for the tour, um, I felt that I was in a group of people who... Were very much more into belie- the believing side. Yeah. And practising the magic. Yeah, they were very, a lot of them were fully talking about, like astrology and doing tarot readings and yeah they're having a conversation about how they hate it when people get the wrong rune tattooed on them and it means something else and oh yeah i think like i think that's quite a good point they're making it was something i've thought before is to do with because like um alice's wrote no but like i did an illustration degree but for my dissertation i wrote about witchcraft and feminism so completely Mm. different to what i actually studied but whatever (laughs) um and so i've done a lot of like research into that kind of thing and also how modern day practitioners are and one thing i noticed with the online communities is there can be if people who aren't really probably who probably maybe take it more on a face value they just take whatever from different magical practices around the world when you can't really do that it's not your place mm. um which is kind of what they're saying is like these pe- people who get like a sigil that means something from another culture tattooed on them like that can have some serious ramifications mm. like you're stuck with that for life i mean i guess unless you get a tattoo removal but that's not exactly an easy thing to do tattoo fixes um, yeah on channel four mm. but um i think well, yeah with magic one thing that is important is not to mess with things that aren't necessarily belonging to you and um, i think a lot of western people getting into it try and appropriate stuff from like voodoo and hoodoo and things but a lot of that is magic is actually so inter- which we kind of learned on this tour it's so intertwined with other cultural practices mm. and how cultures develop that you are appropriating stuff if you aren't careful yeah well done. No, no, that, that that's cool. But like, I, I, I think that's um, the sort of discussions we we're having before even the tour, and um, it was I'd say it was definitely majority female. Yeah. Uh, crowd. I think it was there were maybe two other guys. Didn't you? Yes, um, majority. Um, 
Well, we were encouraged to uh, to ask questions yeah. and talk, and at no point was um, this guy rude. But I thought it was interesting that the one person who uh, liked to say his opinion yeah. was a, a guy. Um, so I, I, I basically what I'm saying is that I um, I knew my place straight away in this group <laughs> in that I wasn't I didn't know anything about any of this yeah. really, um, and I think my my criticism of the tour were I to give it and it's not a criticism it's a criticism of myself is um because I didn't even read the description you just <laughs> said we're going on a magic tour um and I was like yes um is there was definitely a lot of words being used or phrases that I wrote down to google later um which again it's not a criticism but I um yeah I think it's definitely aimed at people who obviously know a bit of it in the well, first place, it will be aimed at the people yeah, who shop at the that, shop. shop at that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, definitely. And again, it wouldn't. It's not a criticism because if it had been targeted more to me, <laughs> a lot of people would be rolling their eyes and thinking, "Yeah, yeah. we know, I know." Um, but that's why I wanted to before I Google is to ask some questions, <laughs> see if you know what yeah. uh, she's talking about. Um, uh, I mean, we could we could try and recount the tour. It started with um, the statues of the planets. Oh yeah, the Indian statues, weren't they? Um, which I thought was interesting. Like it was, it was getting me into the world of when people say planet, that can mean the sun and the moon. Yeah. And um, we started talking about astrology and, um, like even thing like even in, even things I don't believe I I really enjoy, and like. There's no judgment. Yeah. Like, not, no one in the world can believe everything that anyone has... Or, no one in the world can believe everything that has ever been believed. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> it it's no... Um, I still find it fascinating. Um, and then we, we, we moved into Easter Island statue. Um, and I think this is when I was realising that... Because, uh, again, like I said, I didn't really know what the tour would be about. And it wasn't necessarily a tour about magic. It was... It's how the stuff in the museum influenced the magic revival in this country. Yes. Isn't it? And certain movements from, I guess, mainly Victorian through to the 20th century. And it's something I found really interesting that was sort of the... Um, almost the conclusion that was constantly being brought up is... it this artifact that was discovered meant this to the people who made it. However, it meant this to the people yeah. who discovered it. It meant this to the occult movement. Mm. And even if they might have been, in quotation marks, wrong, that doesn't mean that the sort of uh, magic yeah, that was inspired by it... Yeah, it the impact it had on people. Yeah. And that's what I found... their imagination, is what she said a lot. Like... Yeah. I think that's what I found interesting. And how she was treating... Um, these artifacts like art in the sense that they are interpretive mm. and um, there are so many things we came up across that were well we don't really know what this is yeah there was these big giant heavy golden what the talks yeah oh what, yeah the Celtic uh, the neck pieces Which... what they think what do you think are neck pieces but then yeah it's kind of like how would anyone get that around the neck that's the thing, you look at it and it looks, it would look good on an neck, but yeah. also 
A, how would you put it on? B, how would you keep it on? Because it's so heavy. How'd you get it off? Um, how'd you get it off? Where else would you put it? Maybe it wasn't supposed to go on a person. Because you also said that they weren't ever found on any bodies yeah. or anything. My thought. Mm-hmm. This is a groundbreaking new theory. Really elaborate handbag handles. <laughs> That's actually a good theory. Like, and then like the bag it was made of like material, so that with so that would have like rotted away, mm. and the nice handles stayed. Yeah, I I was starting to think that maybe they aren't any kind of clothing. I don't know what. That's a good theory, actually. Um, Celts and their old, they love their handbags. Yeah, <laughs> but like the what she was talking about is how when people discovered these, the first thing they thought was necklaces druids. and druids, yeah. and they would draw, lot you know, they'd do lots of drawings of druids wearing them. Yeah. Then um, the reality is actually it wouldn't have been sort of you know the religious class doing that, like wearing all that kind of thing but instead it would be the wealthy elite and you know sort of chiefs and that kind of thing mm. who could who would have the money to afford it to show how powerful they were so yeah. it's not quite so romantic it's like some rich person with a nice new ferrari or something <laughs> yeah um we also talked a bit about glastonbury and uh stonehenge which is very close to where i come from yeah um, you've been? i've actually not physically been to <laughs> not physically have i but been spiritually to, uh no i've i've driven past it every single time i've gone to london and back um so i'm, I'm familiar with it and where it lies you know what the shape is yeah it's very it's um it's stuck between two motorways and you i remember um they went to stonehenge in a doctor who episode and there's a shot of panning across the fields <laughs> And then you see Stonehenge, and it stops just before you'd see a big motorway. <laughs> it's not the most... Um, it doesn't feel like it would be completely isolated and spiritual yeah. and soothing when you're there, but I think it actually is just far enough that you don't hear the traffic too much. Mm. Um, but yeah, again, even with Stonehenge, it, I was perhaps expecting someone to say like all the answers of... Um, what we believe it is and everything but she was very open that like no one really knows yeah no one really knows we'll probably we will never fully understand as with all history um but how people have interpreted it over the years has been important yeah like and... it's just as valuable what people have got from it even if it's not what people in the past intended it for um so i'm looking back at my notes and they do not make sense <laughs> um <laughs> I was writing down, uh, she recommends a film, Night of the Demon. Oh, you were, yeah, I hadn't heard of that. We'll have to um, watch that. Can't remember why, but I'm sure it's, it was on a conversation about Satanists and how she was saying how in a movie, Satanists are always... Just like really rich. And really, really rich. When like aristocrats really like live in their mother's basement. And... Yeah. I mean, I think that was lovingly she was talking yeah. about. Um, yeah, they're always seen as these kind of elite groups and cults, but... Usually they're kind of rebellious yeah. um, people. Uh, I've written... Um, oh, we went to the Egypt area, which I guess I hadn't really th- thought about how tied in with um, cultism mm. Egypt is, but it really, really You've got is. a whole book about... <laughs> yeah, so for the listeners that do not know, I wrote a book called Pantheon, and it's about Egypt. And... Um, we stopped outside some, uh, next to some statues of Sekhmet, yeah. um, a lioness goddess um, of the sun. And um, she, uh, the tour guide, what's her name? 
Car- Caroline. Caroline. Um, she uh, recited of the myth of Sekma, which is in my book. And it's always really validating when other people tell the myth. And I'm like checking it off in my head thinking, yeah, I did that, I did that, I did that. And obviously there's lots of differences, but um, I'm just always, I'm in a constant state of assuming I got everything wrong. Um, so that was nice. <laughs> However, she then did say that that's for very simplistic reading of it. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit. <laughs> um, uh, but it's interesting. She told the story. Uh, she was talking about how um, there's this pharaoh who um, basically got rid of the whole pantheon. Akhenaten, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and people have had mixed feelings about him they for many he years. Was like, it's, a, it's almost tyrannical. So. Yeah. Um, but he didn't actually get rid of the household gods. He was trying to get rid of um, the corrupt so priest class, wasn't he? Or something? That's yeah. What from what I can gather, um, like the first thing about Egypt is that it was around for like five thousand years, and. That's a really long time. Yeah. <laughs> like, so people often group it all together. And um, uh, so the thing with these gods, I, I can imagine that different cities had different gods and they all were getting sort of all this power out of it. And even though him removing power from other people was just giving himself more power, I can sort of... Uh, again, one of the themes of the tour was that things aren't as black and white as they seem. And, yeah. Um, like at the time both sides of that whole issue were at least in some ways nuanced and she said that the the two pharaohs before him had been kind of like setting that up and trying to become monotheistic um what else have i written down so we talked a lot about egypt which was uh fun um she then had a rant about an author i'd not heard of and you were googling Diane Fortune. Diane Fortune. I've not I've heard not, of. I've not read her books, but I have heard of her. Um, is she a character? I don't really know much, but I just it made me laugh because she was saying how bad they were. Um, but I wasn't expecting to hear that because all I knew was that she's a famous occult author. <laughs> so, I, and she, but I, it's quite um, refreshing to sort of hear her say how awful apparently this woman's books are and like because she says they're quite racist and i think a lot of people wouldn't admit that in like stuff that's considered sort of important in a sort of mm. um in the kind of academic sense people don't like admitting that someone's horrifically racist <laughs> i like um taking a, a, a dip into a um community or world and finding out all the the, the dirt the dirt yeah um i can yeah i can see why like um, so, I mean, we, we keep saying Caroline, but she was, um, let me see, I wrote down, um, I say was, is, try and find in my notes. She talked about, um, a society of, oh, she was like a big, impo- she was a figure in the Earth Mysteries movement. Yeah, um, I have no idea what that is. No, but I, I it, she wasn't just some random person. Random person. She, she was co-authored or had been edited um, um, a book about the law of London as well? Yes. Um, she knew her stuff. Yeah. Um, she spoke well. Um, obviously in the museum sometimes it was quite busy and I had to um, 
focus yeah. all my energy on trying to listen but i thought the women of the pram was quite helpful because people would clear out the way for her yes <laughs> actually you know i i i feel mean about what i said about that guy i think he just wasn't Maybe, very excited he was keen um it was a nice group even though we like never talked <laughs> um i don't know if that was part of us we did sort of disappear straight afterwards to get noodles but um and record this wonderful podcast um Oh, can you do... Okay, so here's a few things where I wanted some clarity on. What is a grimoire? Old magic book. An old magic book, okay. Yeah, basically, basically, like, yeah, like a book of, like, spells and stuff, um, and, like, magical instruction. Okay. It's quite the best. I have heard the word before, and I figured that was, but it it was... Just said a a lot with a... um, I guess it, it to me it felt more like we have some really specific ones that we're all referencing, aren't we? Yeah, there's like I think the fame probably one of my most famous ones is called the Key of Solomon. Mm-hmm. You might have heard. Um, oh, with the demons. Yeah, and uh, like it's apparently meant to obviously go back to the days of King Solomon. Um, okay. I referenced that many times in in terms of stealing names from the yeah. for Dead India. Yeah. yeah, that's a I think. That's a grimoire, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and the other one was the Golden Dawn. Um, that's not really my specialty <laughs> yet. <laughs> yet. Um, um, but yeah, they're basically an occult sort of group that arose, I think, sort of Victorian into the early twentieth century. Um, and like Caroline was saying, like they drew on sort of stuff from the British Museum and um. All these different traditions to make their own sort of rituals and stuff mm-hmm. um and i don't know I, I think with a lot of these groups there's quite a lot of interpersonal drama yeah. and so they ended up dissolving eventually um same with like alistair crowley's crowd well that was another person that was mentioned who i've heard many times but i've never yeah, sat down to I think properly his side magic is called thelema okay thelema thelema um, these are also predecessors to like Wicker and stuff, mm. um, which is by Gerald Gardner, who I think was sort of quite influenced by his people, but um, he was also influenced by groups of, um, I think, women witches who he came across in a forest. I think the new, <laughs> well, not a forest, the new forest. It wasn't just like he didn't walk into them. And I think he stole a lot of their ideas and pretended they were his. Um, I liked the the feminist flavor of yeah. the, the the whole tour. Yeah. Um. Always mentioning when uh, men had taken the credit for yeah. things. Um. Even men taking the credit from other men. Like yeah. The 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 um, I written down Billy. Oh, the Sutton who. Yeah. Um. Billy Basil Brown. Basil Brown. Um. And also, uh, I remember her surname. Petty was her was her surname, but the person who owned the, the property. Oh, I can't um, yeah. So you know this uh, uh, high class, well, not high class, upper class. Yeah, they all people um, like money and time to spare, and they, she had, she they had all of, the classics and she, stuff. But this lady called Petty had a, a bit of land <laughs> with some suspicious mounds, <laughs> and she. Um, Asked her gardener Basil to check out her mounds to uh, <laughs> check out her suspicious mounds, and inside were um, a bunch of Saxons. 
Yeah, but a boat. Well, a ship. <laughs> but, yes. A ship. And, and um, the... I think... Was it... Was it a bunch of corpses or just one? A very pretty helmet. Yeah. <laughs> and a, a boat. I think I should know. That. I think it's definitely one figure. And then I think there might have been a horse in there. From what I know. Um, so it rings a bell. Yeah. And a, a, another theme of the tour was talking about how... Um, the academia's view of many of these civilizations were that they were savages yeah. and all that stuff. And they kept finding these really artistic, intricate pieces of work. And they're like, oh. Um, it, uh, I'll come back to that in a second. And the, the, what, the, why we're talking about the, sort of the feminist angle yeah. of this tour was that um, she didn't even like dignify the other guy in the na- with the name, yeah. basically, um, when they told the British Museum that they'd um, found all this. Some random professor took all the credit. Yeah. And, um, there well, was a, a... Basil Brush. Basil <laughs> Brush. <laughs> boom, boom! Um, it's a Saxon. <laughs> um, uh, we should respect. Um, Sorry and yeah, But yeah, there was, a, there was a lot of that. A lot of mentioning the Golden Dawn um, group, how... Um, men had ruined it, and that was a. She recommended a book called "The Women of yeah. the Golden Dawn," and um, she uh, mentioned Florence Fay. Far, far, far. Um, again, most of this just I. I was straining to hear a lot of. She it. was like she felt she had like a spiritual connection with the mummy. Yes, but she she introduced her as one of the most important figures yeah. of the occult. Well, most important female figures. Yeah. But like you could see her correcting herself because like oh, there's always men. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I re- I just like that because I do feel a lot of what occult and you know Wicca and stuff. It's very important to remember it all. Like she made it very um, clear that it all came from the discovery of goddesses yeah. and... Yeah, sort of goddess cult and stuff like that. Yeah, I think realising the ancient... Like, I think she made it sound like it was a big deal for uh, people to recognise that ancient civilizations worshipped goddesses yeah. as much as, as gods. As a god, yeah. Um, I guess in, until sort of the 19th century... I mean, I'm trying to, like... After those civilizations, yeah. but before modern yeah. things, there was probably a... Um, uh, movement, I guess, as Christianity was coming up. <laughs> yeah, I guess because like the divine feminine wasn't really a thing anymore with like Christianity and stuff. Like you have mm. the um, obviously Mary, but other than that, like being female was almost inherently sinful. Like Eve, yeah. of, you know, Eve and original sin and stuff, and that could. I've heard of Eve. Yeah, heard of her. Um. um yeah, that was actually an interesting point because they said how when they were trying to, uh, I think it was that king or the 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 Sutton who, Redward. Yes, it was in that conversation mm. where, um, in order to get, uh, he was the first Christian convert king. Yeah. In order to get people to trade in their pagan yeah. beliefs to Christianity, they really bigged up. Um, they helped Mary. Mary as yeah. like. Well, she's similar to your goddesses. Yeah, she's similar, like, you know... Um, we're going to ignore the whole thing about, you know, do not worship false idols yeah. until, uh, <laughs> until you're on our like, side. That's like wean people in slowly on yeah. Christianity. And I think it's really like, interesting yeah. they wean people into Christianity with the image of a, like, Yeah, people female... used to... They didn't quite get 
at first that you couldn't the whole there is one god thing. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they but that's kind of god's tried, shtick. Yeah. They tried to like just add him to their ones and I think Christian's unhappy with that. Yeah. Um so I've also let me just go through I'm jumping about a bit. Um I've got sexuality is good as a note. <laughs> um <laughs> just just to Oh yeah, so Florence, um mummies. Yeah. That was interesting. Yeah, I'm on like a slight side note, I haven't been to the mummy section of the British Museum for absolutely years because it's always the most packed. And people love them corpses. People, like, especially with children, they just love dead people. It's great. I mean, it, it is very interesting. Yeah. Um, compared to bits of stone yeah. and some quite dubious pottery. Yeah. To see, like, <laughs> this is a person. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a human. I always feel that sorry. Just, like... Mm. I mean, no wonder there's curses if, like, you know, they spent all that trouble to bury them in these nice coffins and then someone comes up and is, like, puts you in a glass case and you have all, like, these snotty children staring at you. <laughs> there's, um, uh, a terrific Egyptology museum in London <laughs> called the Flinders Petrie Museum. Oh, I've been to that. Uh, yes, Flinders is a character who, um, is interesting. Um, I did a talk there during their LGBT month Ooh. about Pantheon, um, and uh, my brother came and he was sat. It, it happened in the museum, like just surrounded by stuff. Yeah, it's really quite small in there, isn't it? Yeah, um, Flinders Petrie is a famous for like being one of the first archaeologists for who found things that weren't gold. Interesting. Yeah. So he. he <laughs> People found him very strange because he would find a spoon and be, this is very interesting, let's mark this down. And we're like, why? Anywho, um, my brother was sat listening to the talk and then when he stood up, he found out he'd be next to a jar with a skeleton inside. Oh, oh, what the, that huge, like, pot pot and there's a skeleton inside, like, held up. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Hide and seek. (laughs) He's got the record. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Yes, everyone loves a mummy, and there was these two interesting stories, and I know the 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 story of the curse of the mummy is, um, it's a is a thing. Yeah, it's a it's a would you say trope? I don't know. It's a trope. Um, I know some actual Egyptian people don't quite like how they're represented in no. like the history of cinema, um, but less of a curse, more so. There was a mummy called the Unlucky Mummy. Um, and didn't, like, just some rich person have it displayed in their house? Yeah. Which, I mean, that's asking them for trouble. The way rich uh, Europeans treated um, mummies yeah. is... Yeah. Uh, I don't think... Because it wasn't, like... I didn't remember seeing the body of that one. It was more the coffin yeah. case, wasn't it? Which is really weird. It was, well, not weird. It's it was just small. Small and an odd design. Um... I think it was the second mummy we were interested in. Yeah, um, and cause that was one that Florence Farr had like an experience with. Yeah. And because um, when she would have seen it, the mummy wouldn't have been out of the sarcophagus. She would have just seen part of the case. Mm. But so they didn't know anything about what was inside, pretty much. And then she just felt like it spoke to her, and was like, because they're all into the Egyptian Book of the Dead, weren't they? And yeah. like stages of, was it like stages of the soul almost? Like different. Oh yeah, but your your soul goes through all of these. And there's like 
one stage was like the car or something. Yeah. And she's she felt that that mummy was her car, I think, or something like that. Yeah, her kin. Yeah. She kinned with the, with the mummy. <laughs> she had a connection with this mummy who was a woman called something that I can't remember. What oh. Was. Um, it's like men, 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 I did write it down, but I wouldn't have spelled it right. But it was something like menu Yeah, that's right. Yeah, minimat. Minimat. We'll call it that. Call it mini. Um, <laughs> and um, but then later, people thought they, some people thought it was male when they found. Then they actually investigated the the body. Yes, they they did their technical wizardry and or and maybe not even that, but they um identif- when they actually looked inside they identified the skeleton as being male. But then when you look at it, then it's like ambiguous because it seems like it's quite a strange. I mean, like the way the bandages are, as if they've done over breasts or if they've kind of made breasts out of the bandages. Yeah, they got some skelly titties. Yeah. Um. And then. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I, every now and again I gotta remind myself I've kind of pitched this to some people as a comedy podcast, <laughs> so let's uh, put in the titties. Oh, yeah. No, um, they yeah, but I, I I know what you're saying. They um, they it was an unusual mummy because when you see mummies, they usually look like like the bandages have rotted onto them. Yeah. Whereas this was like painted and yeah, and then like the way the bandages were is almost sort of like de- quite decorative in mm. the. Like the bindings were all different on different parts. Like the arms had like this sort of crisscross, like stringy stuff almost, and then like all the fingers were done individually. Which yes, are, which is not common. No, normally they're bound so they can't grab you. Even the the toes, and they had like it had like sandals on. Them. Yeah, it was very interesting. I've never seen a mummy quite like it, and um, so the the idea put forward by our tour guides that may, may have been a trans woman mm. but um it's just one of those frustrating things about learning about history and queer history yeah. is there's always a million academics telling you that's not what yeah. it is but um there are but i was saying as we were leaving i don't know any of the details i don't at me but actually please at me <laughs> please tell me the details uh, but I, I swear that i i watched something about a trans um male pharaoh um or at least just the the idea of gender nonconformity yeah mm. or like kind of being more fluid mm. um was something that was at least Talked about more in ancient Egypt than yeah. it was in whenever these mummies were discovered. Yeah, because this mummy as well, like, had a painted on face. And then, but, like, there's, like, a beard of sideburns painted on. Yeah. It was it was interesting. And I think, I think in any sense, just the idea of an am- agenda being ambiguous mm. is something that we, you know, ancient cultures probably were um, more open to than when things got all stuffy and... Yeah, but when you consider, like, even some certain modern cultures or sort of people who are descended from cultures which were then changed by sort of colonisation, like, I guess, isn't certain Native Americans, like, um, you know, uh, what was it called? called Something's Two-Spirit and that kind of thing. Um, You know, lots of cultures do have, like, multiple 
more than just two genders that they recognised. So it's not far fetched that a civilization that lasted several thousand years <laughs> yeah. is gonna have more of a view of it than just there's two in that set. <laughs> I mean, that was another um, part of the theme of the tour, and part of its link to feminism is um, they were uncovering all of these uh, fertility. Um, sort of emblems or oh, phalluses. Yeah, phalluses, but also just goddesses yeah. in general, like goddesses of sex and sexuality. Um and just sort of that being counter to the repression of yeah. the age that they were discovered in. Um all these kind of empowering feminine or um <sighs> phallic. I know <laughs> you know but like, like all nice phallic wind chimes. Yes, that was very beautiful. <laughs> um and just, I, I think that that's part of it, that in ancient culture, sexuality was... It was celebrated, I guess. Like, yeah, because, a bit more. <laughs> yeah, like, I guess back then when, you know, survive, both surviving childbirth and surviving on both, from both the mothers and the baby's side, something being born, I mean, was good. I mean, obviously mm. it still is, but... Like, they viewed it as, you know, obviously from the new life kind of point of view and how great that is. So they yeah. celebrated it. Yeah, not, yeah obviously, um, I'm not saying all ancient cultures had complete gender equality, no. but I guess if they were seeing a lot more physical evidence of womanhood being celebrated in a way that um, they possibly weren't at the time. And mm. how this really inspired people who were into the occult, people on the fringes, people mm. um, with weird, by you know, the, the the notions of the time kind of ideas. Um, and it was just it was just interesting how all these things uh, related. I did not hear anything during the Stark Har mask, horned oh. god hunting mask. Oh, Stark Har. Stark Har. Um, I think it's like Star and then Car, like Alan Car. Oh. Yeah. Like Alan Yeah. Okay. Like, it's a place in uh, Yorkshire, I think. Um, from what I could read off the museum sign. Um, but yeah, they found all these thousands of year old um, masks made from uh, deer skulls that they, I guess people would use for hunting or whatever. Mm. Or like for ritual kind of purposes as well. There's a tiny line she said when she was talking about that, which made me laugh. Which is obviously we don't like hunting now. Yeah. And um, I just like I just liked that she wasn't taking she wasn't trying to apologize for any of her yeah. views, which I really liked. Um, I wrote I wrote how because this is when she started talking about the Earth Mysteries movement, which she said she was part of, and I think Earth Mysteries, and I'm gonna just say this after not researching any of it, um, I think it's an umbrella term for like uncovering anything yeah like at a time when the whole world's been mapped we're now looking at the things that uh we don't know from history mm. um and uh i also wrote down from this part she's talking about how the magical revival um was about projecting romanticism on objects from the past and it doesn't necessarily matter if they were what we yeah thought we were just the sort of like um we showed got shown that um that fort from above oh yeah and then people would like think it was it's always 
being like a picture used for like books on Celtic magic and I think druids and stuff, but the druids had nothing to do with it. It was just defensive. Yeah, and also no one at that time would have ever seen that from above. Yeah. So um, it was just it makes sense, just walls basically yeah. they'd made. But um, again, we don't even know if that's true. Um, I mean, there's there's other stuff, but um, I feel like we've. Uh, I guess what I, I, one last thing I thought was really interesting was kept talking about the Thames, when how like shields have been found in it. Yeah, and I think I, it was like quite an important place for sort of ancient Britons and yeah, I, in general was. I just think that's really interesting because when I, I I I just forget that the reason why London exists is because people have already always been living here. Yeah, and for some reason when I see like clay pots and. Celtic things. I just imagine it being off in the rural areas, yeah. but potentially the only reason why those things survive is because they're still rural. Mm. And London might have been filled with stone hedges yeah. and uh, barrel mounds and all these things that have just been squashed over time. Mm. By well, you can still go and get stuff from the Thames if you want. <laughs> <laughs> we could have phrased that better. Yeah, I've done it before, but like, was it mudlarking? Um, mm. When the tides out you can go to some parts of the shore and like you can find like bits of old pottery and things um the tour ended with a conversation about dr john d um yeah had you heard of him i have heard of him and i have read about him slash they talked about him on qi once (laughs) um but yeah what do you know about um so basically what was recounted to us um about how he sort of got in with elizabeth but, but not really like he was like <laughs> she has a famous nickname i don't think he got that in. <laughs> um, the first um like he was always sort of still on the fringes of the court he wasn't ever he was like her official astrologer basically but yeah um, i think what what i found amusing was that basically he would have been burnt at the stake had he not being a buddy yeah. of the queen, like not even a proper proper buddy, but just he was allowed to. He's like that one nerd that the popular girls like at school for doing because <laughs> he does their homework or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, he sort of he <laughs> he got used by this guy who he who was like his psychic um, messenger to the angels, hmm. um, who was. Our tour guide says she thinks there may have been something to this guy's medium abilities, but if I'm honest, I think he was just having John Dion thinking, oh, this guy's a sucker. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, he claimed that the angels wanted him to sleep with John Dee's wife, and then also, like, was it like give him all his money or something? Like, <laughs> I hear, I read this a lot when I'm researching about occultists and stuff, and it's always like, yeah, they had really, really, like, lovely beliefs, and then it was, and also I need to sleep with your wife, yeah. or we, we need to, you know, bunk up. Um, Just like... But, they... may, but maybe that's what the angels did want. Um, but it Sounds fake. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> um, yeah, he's someone I definitely want to read up more about. I, I, I do think I... A lot of these occultists I think I'm getting mixed up with. Yeah. Um, Got to get my occultist trading cards out <laughs> and start to learn them better. That'd be pretty good. Yeah. Like top trumps of like occultist. Or like those murder cards. <laughs> oh yeah. The murder trading cards. Um, but a famous occultist. Yeah. 
I don't know how many famous occultists there are. Like you have to, I have to, you have to really emphasize the O. Yeah. Because occultist is different from a cultist. Yeah. Um. That okay. Sets like the Golden Dawn set. <laughs> <laughs> what would your cult be called, or your your society My... for? Um, for spooky for spooky, spooky stuff. shit. <laughs> then it, not the murder stuff. <laughs> no. Um. I don't know. The Golden Dawn is so inspiring. No, that's such a good name, but yeah. you can't use that again. Um, Bronze Dusk. <laughs> Bronze Dusk. <laughs> uh, the, I don't know. The Silver Twilight. That's quite good. That's quite good. I, I'd like them talking about um, the tarot cards and how um, the artist... Yeah, kept giving it the illustrator credit. Yeah. Who I can't remember the name of. Smith. No, I can't remember either. But it's the the very famous yeah. illustrations everyone knows. And yeah, the Rider Waite deck. Um, but yeah, it was a really good tour, and it made me really want to do more stuff like that. Um, mailing list, that's what it's called. Mailing list. Yeah. Well, we'll do a Poltercast mailing list one day. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you for finding that. Well, it came in my inbox. I didn't really search very hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the things that we want... I want to do a... A proper ghost tour. Yeah. But um, they're at night and they seem quite cold. <laughs> um, I want to do a... I quite like the idea doing that, but I think they only happen in October, though, the um, the ghost bus tour. Uh, oh, is I... that not a joke? No, that was real. Oh, I just thought you were joking about a ghost bus. Oh, I found... I, found, I took a picture. I don't think I sent it to you, but... <laughs> um, oh, yeah, I, I still remember you not sending me that picture. <laughs> no, it's like a proper, um, like, double-decker that's black, and you go around London and they tell you ghost stories. Oh, that's pretty cool. And I think, like, it's got spooky music. So I'm trying to do that next year. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> I kind of want to go to the London Dungeon. Yeah. Um, so we'll try, we'll, we'll try and make this... If we can afford it. Yeah, like um, Dead from the Boo Boo Sea. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm sorry. Our reports. We, I, I, I was tempted to bring the microphone along and record something there, but it just would not have sounded as gorgeous and crisp and perfect as this does. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think... I, that's, that's, that's it. That's it. Next yeah. week we'll definitely have some ghost stories for you. Um, you can, Our theme music is by Graham Waller of... Glitterwolf, you can um, download their debut single, debut album, Spectrum. Download everything. Uh, um, anywhere that sells music, uh, except for shops. <laughs> Just don't try Woolworths. No, you might be disappointed. Um, but iTunes and Spotify and all that stuff. Um, you can find me at Hamish Steel on Twitter. And me at, at Tiff Baxterless on Twitter. Please, both of us at the podcast. At the podcast, please send in your ghost stories to the podcast at gmail.com. Um, is that it for now? I think it is. I've forgotten what we say at the end. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs>